All right. Well, we are in the middle of a series called The Abundant Life. And I'm going to ask you one more time to stand to your feet. We're going to read this passage together. This is a practice we've been doing since we started Psalm 23. Um, so I'm going to read the part in white. And then you guys will respond and we'll read together the part in the green. Okay? Ready? Here we go. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. Guides me along the right path for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your staff may comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. With oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. You can go ahead and have a seat. All right. Well, up to this point, we have been in the scripture talking about green pastures and quiet waters. And today we're in the valley of the shadow of death. So uh, no big deal. Just a little weightier and heavier topic that we're going into. Uh, but trust me, we will come out the other side with some hope and we'll leave on a high note today. So starting out, I wanted to just take a pulse, get a sense of what are your biggest fears? What are the things that, it's usually one or two things that replay themselves in our minds and in our lives that are constantly coming up to the surface. And so just go ahead and shout out. I put some up on the screen here, but what are your biggest fears? Go. Let's hear it. What? Flying. What else? Health. What else? More, more. Come on. Rejection. Nobody, you guys just don't have, what else? Come on, a couple more. Abandonment. Now we're getting real. Okay. Anybody else? <laughs> okay. Rejection. Yeah, there's all kinds of fears, right, that we, that we deal with on a regular basis. My two biggest fears, one of them um, would be the fear of running out of money, not having enough. I remember when I was, my wife and I were first married, we were living in the Bay Area, and um, we were what you call, maybe you've heard this term called dinks. Has anybody heard this? You probably, so it's double income, no kids. It's a sweet season of life. It doesn't last very long, okay? But if you're in it, you know it, and life's good. You got two incomes, you're making a little bit of money, there's very low expenses in this season of life, life's good. And even in that season, I was like hoarding, like, no, we cannot go out to dinner, we cannot go on trips, no, we cannot stay there, you know? And I was just like, just fear of like running out of money, not really trusting God with my resources. I don't know if anybody else is like that in the room, but that was definitely one of my fears. Um, let's see, what was one of my other ones? Oh yes, it's this thing called public speaking. I don't know if any of you have that fear. People say they'd rather be in the grave. Like the number one fear is public speaking and then death. It's like second on, the, on those surveys that you can trust, you know, polls. 
Um, anyway, so that's mine. And, and it's on, like I'm living it out right here, right now. And one of the reasons that, one, it's like a performance-based thing. Like, what if I mess up? What if I'm not good enough? And the other thing is most of you in this room are smarter than me. <laughs> more educated, probably know the Bible better than me. So it's like, what do I have to add? How can I even add value? So now you just have a little insight into what's going on inside here when, uh, when we're hanging out together. But we all have, we all have fears. They're in all of us. Um, I think there's a continuum or like a spectrum that we might find ourselves in. Some of us, you like are so aware of your fear and it's paralyzing. Maybe you wake up every day and there's these fears, these things that are always just on your mind and it's paralyzing. You can't even really move forward with your day-to-day because you're so caught up in your fears. And I know in my own family, my wife carries a lot of that tension and that with our kids, just constantly worried and stressing and fearful about the livelihood of our kids. So that's one group of people. Maybe there's others of us in this room where you might have fears but you've been gotten really good at like suppressing them and just avoiding it and shoving it down. You might not even know what they are because you just avoided them for so long. Fear of not being able to provide for the family, fear of losing your job, something like that. And it's just, you've just shoved it down and kind of avoided it. And there's others of us, you might be in the room today and you're like, I'm good. Like I don't have any fears, not going through any dark valleys in my life. Uh, and for you today, it's reflecting back what there's probably were moments in your life that you did that. And how can you use that experience for the benefit of someone else, someone who is going through that? There's a missional aspect to the dark valleys and the fears that we go through. So that's kind of where we're at today. And the hope is, the, the, the point of the message today is that as a Christ follower, we're always going to go through dark valleys But the promise is we don't have to do it with fear. We can do that from a place of peace and hope and surrender. And so that's kind of where we're going today. So a little context, um, if you are just joining us, uh, we are looking through Psalm 23 and David is writing this and he himself is a shepherd and he's using this image of God as our shepherd. God, Jesus, is this good shepherd leading his flock, leading his people. And David, because he was a shepherd, he was no stranger to fear. He would have known that. He would have been outdoors for months at a time with the sheep, exposed to the elements, sleeping in caves, um, fending off predators. So he was intimately acquainted with fear, losing his life for the sake of his sheep. So that's where this psalm comes from. It comes from a deep and real place where David was at. And so as we dig into this a little bit more, I just want to take a moment and unpack just line by line. We only have a few lines anyways, so we're going to hang out on words and lines and just understand some of these truths that David is sharing with us from a place of experience. Not just lofty thoughts or ideas, but from deep experience. And one of the questions I had at the outset, um, why would a good shepherd lead his sheep through a dark valley? Like, wouldn't you just try to avoid it? I know in my life, that's uh, just avoid the dark places. Just, I don't want to go there. And in terms of a shepherd, the reason why they would do that is in the summer months, there was no food in the arid places where they lived and the sheep were, were Stain, and so they would make these long journeys up to the high plains, the alpine meadows, where there was food. And so to get there, they had to go through these dark valleys. 
where the predators, you know, waiting for the sheep to drink at the stream, to attack, rock slide, there could be flooding, whatever it is, they had to pass through these dark valleys in order to get to the high mountain and the food. And so that's kind of the context that we step into. All right, let's take this first line. It says this, even though I walk through the darkest valley. So the first thing we learn is this word, even though. Uh, It means we're going to go through difficult times. It's not a matter of if, but when. Now about you, I know that truth, but I'm always like surprised and taken aback when I hit a difficult moment in my life. Like, not again, really? I thought I was past all that. I thought life was going to get easier. So I think the reminder here is even though, like, yeah, it's going to come. There's going to be trials. There's going to be dark moments in our lives. Um, The promise of the scripture isn't that God's going to protect us from these dark moments. He allows us to go through them, even though we walk through the darkest valley. So it's having that right expectation. Uh, the second thing we, think, we see is that there's a pace in which we go through these dark valleys. What's the word? What does it say? It says walk. And so I don't know about you, but I'm the type of person, I want to sprint. I want to run. I want to get through that dark valley, that painful moment as quick as possible. Let me get to the other side. I don't want to sit in it. It also doesn't say sit down, stand still, and just dwell on it, right? It, it, there's a pace to how we go through these dark valleys. It says walk. Are there any walkers in the room? People who just love to walk. You're really consistent walkers, hikers. Yeah. Paolo, you guys walk eight miles a day. Jeez. Okay. So when you walk, people who walk, there's something about observing. You're able to actually take in and observe your surroundings. When you're running, you're just like, get the job done. I'm exercising. I'm getting point A to point B. But when you walk, there's something about taking in your surroundings. And so the, the thing for us today is even in our pain, even in our dark valleys, we need to be present in our pain. We need to show up. We need to be aware of what we are feeling, what we are going through, so that we can come out the other side, not messed up, not depressed, but healthy and ready to walk with other people. So we walk with Christ through these difficult moments. We're aware, we're present in our times of pain. And then there's some hope. It says through. The next word we see is through. It means that there's light at the end of the tunnel. For the sheep, it's that high meadow. They're going to reach this destination. And only Christ can offer us that hope. And we're going to look more at more at that in just a moment. There's, it's through. It's Jesus is meeting us. He's with us. And he's saying, you're going to get through it. I'm not going to just pluck you out of it and rescue it all the time. You're going to have to walk through it with me. But the hope is there's light at the end of the tunnel. And so today, I don't know, you know what your darkest valley is. Maybe it's something that happened in your past. Maybe it's something you're currently experiencing. It could be chronic illness. It's like, God, when is this going to end? Could be for yourself or someone. You're just like, I just want this to end. Could be miscarriage. Could be infertility. Could be loss of job. Could be divorce. Could be the loss of someone you love. These are these dark valleys. 
But the hope is, the promise is that God is with us and we will walk through. There is light at the end of the tunnel. So the Hebrew word for darkest valley is salmaveth, salmaveth. And it means, maybe you've heard this other translation, the shadow of death. I kind of like that translation more because it's even in death. Death is not permanent. It's not the end of the story as a Christ follower. A shadow, it's not the real thing. So even in death, there's this hope, there's this belief that we're just passing through. Salma Beth. Uh, I remember my wife and I, after um, we moved out of the Bay Area, it was probably 2010, and we decided to move to Kenya. At the time, I was a high school teacher uh, teaching students, and um, thank you to all the teachers in your, the room, by the way. We are parents of three children, and we are about done. At the end of summer, we were like at the end of ourselves. There was a lot of the family was falling apart. We'll just put it that way. So thank you, teachers, for taking care of our children because we can't do it on our own. So I was a high school teacher. Um, my wife was a nurse, and we decided to move to Kenya. We lived at a children's home there. Our goal is to just live with the, the people, learn from them, be with them. And uh, during the, the holidays, so the little breaks the, the students would have, they kind of go home. On some of these, we'd go on an adventure with the students. And I don't know whose idea it was, was definitely not my idea, but somebody suggested, why don't we go hike Mount Kenya? Which if any of you know, Mount Kenya is a 17,000 foot mountain. And for perspective in the contiguous United States, our highest mountain is 14.5. So this is thousands of feet higher than anything um, we have in the US. So we said, yeah, let's, let's, let's just go do it. It'll be great, you know. No real maps, no planning, no guides, you know, just some students and some gear and a little bit of food. And we said, we'll do it. You know, this will be great. And I'm also planning a backpacking trip for this church if anybody wants to join. Um, I'll be leading that. And <laughs> so I brought in some pictures. Let's just start with this first one. This is us at the beginning. High hopes. We're going to go up to this mountain and everything's going to be great. And um, first day was phenomenal, you know, really confident, we've got this. Second day, we wake up, here's a picture of the start to the second day, a little bit of rain clouds coming in. And so we see the sun thunderstorms brewing, we're like, it can't be that bad, let's just go. So again, no maps, no real, we don't, there's not even much of a trail. And um, we start out full on thunderstorms, just chaotic, so bad to where if any hikers, you know those moments when you step in mud and like your shoe gets like sucked down and you're like, it was that bad. Couldn't see the trail, couldn't see in front of you. Everybody split up, don't know where the students are. Just like every man for themselves. One moment there was a teacher on the side and I just walked by and said, you okay? She thumbs up and I just kept moving. Didn't stop. Like, but this is what fear does to you, right? When you're in those moments, like you're like, we're all gonna die. Like, I thought students were going to die on this trip. And um, great leadership, you know, just <laughs> hope for the best. So it was bad. So we're just, like, trying to get to the... Thankfully, I didn't leave my wife, though. Or she didn't leave me. You know, we stayed together. So that was, that was a good one. So we finally... It's like getting dark. We make it... We see this cabin. We make it to the top. We get there, and there's only a few students there. So the rest are still out on the mountain somewhere. 
And we start paying porters and guides, like, go back and find them. Like, we don't know where they are. Eventually, after a few hours, everybody, surprisingly, by the grace of God, makes it safely to this cabin. A few minor cases of a hypothermia, but other than that, we were, we were a-okay. But I just remember, and you've been in those moments where you're completely gripped by fear and panic and worry. And I really thought like kids could die on this trip. Like, and, and you're just surrounded. You're so focused on your storm. You're so in that dark valley, you can't see out of it. You have no hope. You're just so focused on the storm. It was one of those moments. Um, thank God. We woke up the next morning, blue skies. We made it to the top. We summited and uh, nobody died. So, uh, so we'll be lead. I'll put the dates up for the trip I'm leading, like I said, and you guys can all join me. But there's just that sense of like, oh, I'm so focused on my current situation. I can't even see that light at the end of the tunnel. So next verse, the next part of the verse we get to says this, I will fear no evil for you are with me. And this is interesting. There's two in Hebrew, there's at least two different words for fear. In English language, we have one. There are two. The first one is this one, yare. Yare. Let's say it together. Yare. There you go. Good. And this is the type of fear where it's like, it's like reverence and respect and awe for something bigger than you, greater than you more powerful than you. It's like that fear and it's of reverence and respect. Uh, the other one is pached. Pached. Let's say that on three. One, two, three. Pached. You got to really, yeah, get in there. Pached. And this is the one that most of us experience. This is the one I, I felt when you're on that mountain where you're just like, it's, everyone's going to die. You're full of panic. You're scared, you're freaked out, you're so focused on your current situation that fear overtakes you. But the word in this passage that's used is yare. I will fear no evil, yare. And it's the sense of I'm not looking at the problem in front of me, I'm looking up. I'm looking to God, I have reverence and respect for his power more than the thing that I'm going through. It also references, I will fear no evil. It's this idea that we have a choice in the matter. The dark valley, the fear, it doesn't have power over us. We have a choice. Um, the scriptures say all throughout, over 365 times, do not be afraid. Right? Remember those passages, says, do not be afraid. It's like this command. But the tone of that isn't like this person, you know, pointing their finger, do not be afraid, otherwise you're bad. Or you're guilty or you're wrong if you, if you have fear. That's not the tone of it. The tone of it's like that parent that's saying like, hey, don't worry about it. Don't be afraid. I got this. You, everything's going to be okay. So that's the tone. And when we read, do not be afraid in scripture, it's not this like, I'm a bad person if I have fear in my life. It's saying, hey, it's an invitation to surrender, to yare, to look up and trust that God is in control. Do not be afraid. I will have no fear. It's a choice. And so this takes me back to the story in the New Testament of the disciples when they're in that boat, they're in the storm, and what's Jesus doing? 
What's Jesus doing in the storm? He's asleep, right? The disciples are like fearing for their life and here's Jesus asleep. And so I want to read this to us. Matthew 8, 25 says this, the disciples woke him saying, Lord, save us. We're all going to drown, which is exactly the response we would all have if we're in a storm. And I'm on that mountain, Kenya. It's like, we, we could all die here. You're freaking out. They're panicking. And then Jesus says this, which is so interesting. He says, you have little faith. Why are you so afraid? Which kind of seems like a ridiculous question. Like, it's obvious why they're afraid. There's a storm and their boat's going to capsize. They're all going to die. So yes, it's pretty human and natural to have, be in this state of panic and fear. But Jesus pushes them and questions, says, why are you so afraid? Then he got up, he rebukes the winds and the waves, and it goes completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? And so what we learn from this passage is that the disciples put more faith, more of their trust in the power of the storm than in the power of Jesus. They believed that the storm or the dark valley had more power over their life than they did in Jesus. And so we learned that fear is just misplaced faith. Our fear is misplaced faith. So when we're living in that place of fear, it means we're looking at the storm, just like the disciples. You're on that mountain just looking at the storm in front of you. We're all going to die. You're putting more, we're putting more of our trust and our faith in our surroundings, in our circumstances, in ourselves, rather than in our creator and his power to overcome any one of those dark valleys, any one of those storms that we find ourselves in. We have a choice. We have a choice. We can look at our storm or we can yare, look up and say, God, you are in control. Even though it doesn't seem like it, you are in control. Psalm 56, three says this, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. It's that choice that we can all make. And so for me, the fear I shared, one of the fears I shared with you at the beginning, my fear of running out of money or not having enough, I can either look at my current financial situation, I can look at the economy, I can look at the government and the banks, I can look at all that stuff and get worried and get overwhelmed and get fearful. Or I can go back to scripture and remind myself <laughs> that Jesus will provide for all my needs. He's abundant, he's gracious, he's generous, and he will never run out of provision in my life. And that's the truth. That's the yare of looking up and trusting him, even in my circumstances. So let's put a... Let's take some of those fears that we all have. We got a little graph that we put up, and I just used a few of them. And for all of us, there's one or two, again, one or two things that we probably live with on a day-to-day basis. And a little strategy that I've started to use is that as I'm going throughout my day, that fearful or negative thought comes up, the quicker I hit it with a quick prayer, with truth, I write it down, I deal with it, I don't go down that path. You know how you just get down a darker and darker path the more you entertain that fearful thought? 
So hit it with like a quick prayer. God, you're in control. God, give me peace. Whatever it is, it's that quick, quick. And then I find that it dissipates. It begins to go away as I do that. And so here's just a few that I, that I put down here. The one is failure. This, I've got to produce. I'm, I'm not good enough as a parent in the workplace. I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. And the truth is that we're, a, we're children of God. We're made in his image. We're perfectly loved and accepted no matter what we do, right? And that's the truth. And that's the thing to focus on. Disease or injury. When is this going to end? When am I going to be healed? When is my loved one going to be healed? Well, the truth is God will protect us. He's got us, even though at times it doesn't feel like it. Loneliness, depression, God is with us. He's right next to us. Lack of money, God will provide. Even death, he promises life. He promises resurrection. And so again, as you go throughout your week, be intentional. Uh, it's a choice that we have when, we're li- when the fearful thoughts or feelings come over us. Begin to say a quick prayer. Have a scripture written down and do something this week. You, you have the power. You have control over those thoughts. All right? Last thing we come to, the last line. You are my, you, for you are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. And it's interesting in the text up to this point, Jesus, the good shepherd, uh, they use the pronoun he. So it's the idea he's out in front of the sheep leading. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He refreshes my soul. And this is the first time we see you. So he's now moved from, instead of being in front, he's next to his sheep. Through this dark valley, he's right there. It's this this sense of intimacy. He's walking with us through those moments of darkness and pain. He's no longer just that shepherd out in front guiding. He's moved right next to us and he is walking with us. Um, The image or picture I had is as a parent. This is what we do as parents, right? Everything in you wants to rescue your kids, save them. They got injured, they've been bullied. They're going through a difficult time, a broken relationship. And we can't always fix it. We can't always make it right. But what we do as parents is we come alongside our kids, we sit with them, and we say, what do we say? We say, it's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. And we're not just saying that to have like fluffy language and to make them feel good. We honestly, as parents, we can sit back. We have enough experience and perspective to know that they will get through it. There is light at the end of the tunnel of whatever they're going through. And so we can honestly say, it'll be okay. It's going to be all right. Mom and dad are here. Everything will be fine. And so in our own lives, Jesus does that for us, right? He's sitting back. He sees our whole life story. And he can honestly say, hey, it's going to be okay. Even this dark valley, even this pain point you're going through, you're going to make it out. Everything will be okay. And the last thing for us, as we as as Christians go through these, these dark valleys, people are watching us. People are watching Christians, especially today, more than ever before. People are watching what Christians say and what Christians 
do. And I had a buddy just remind me of like, he's been going through this very difficult personal health crisis. It's been very challenging. Everything in him doesn't want it. So he would love to not have it. But his friends are looking at him going, how do you have this kind of peace and hope despite what you're going through? And it's a chance for him to say, well, I trust in this, this person named, this God named Jesus. I can have this supernatural peace and hope despite my circumstances. It's a missional opportunity. The way we go through our darkest moments is a chance for us to tell others about the hope and the peace that can only be found in Jesus. It's a missional opportunity for us. 2 Corinthians 1 says this, And the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles, so that we can comfort those in trouble with comfort we ourselves receive from God. So as we begin to go through the, this, this dark valley in a healthy way, we can then extend that to other people around us. Well, I'm going to invite the band to come out right now. We're coming to a close. They're going to come out, but I want to give those of us who are maybe in that dark place. You've been trying to climb out of that dark place on your own, and you're like, I'm done. I can't do it. I need help. And so we're going to give you a chance to respond. One of the biggest fears I have, I didn't really share with you at the beginning, but because I'm still working through it. Um, and my biggest fear, maybe for many of us, is the fear or the thought of my child dying. I have no control over that. It freaks me out. I'm still trying to surrender control to God. I know they're his kids, not mine, right? I know all that. But when that thought as a parent, you know when that thought creeps in and it just, it can wreck you and get to a dark place. Like, what if, what if, what if? Fear of losing one of my, ch my children. The hope is that Jesus, our good shepherd, would never lead his flock, his sheep, to a place that he himself has not been before. He's never going to lead us to a place or expect us to go through something that he himself has not been through, even death. All right, the ultimate fear, the ultimate worry as a human going through this life is what happens next? What happens when I die? What if, what if? And the hope is that the God of the universe, he came down to this planet as a human. He died and he came out the other end. Three days later, he was resurrected from the dead. He's the only God, the only religious figure, the only man to ever claim to be alive today, to have risen from the dead, to have conquered death. It's the only, only person. Might still have our doubts, might be start hard to understand all that, but if you're that person that's like, I can't get out of this place alone. I want to give you a chance to respond. So go ahead. We're going to stand to our feet as a church. And here's an amazing truth. As a Christ follower, you've already passed from death to life. Do you know that? The moment you received Jesus, you already went from a place of death, disconnection from God, to a place of life. Heaven isn't just some eternal place we go when we die. Heaven exists now concurrently with the world that we live in, 
I don't know how that all works. But the moment you accept Jesus, you've already passed from death to life. You're already living into eternity right now in this moment as a Christ follower. And so I just want to give, we can close our eyes. People in the room, if you have never put your trust and your hope in the good shepherd, and you're saying, I want to do that now. I want to trust him. Just go ahead and raise your hand right now. You're saying, I've been trying to get out of this dark valley on my own strength. I can't seem to get out. I'm tired. I need help. You want to trust the good shepherd. You want to trust in Jesus. Go ahead and raise your hand at this moment. Yeah, I see your hands. You can't do it on your own. We can't. We've tried. So much of us just looking at our surroundings, we're filled with fear going, it's going to take me out. But the hope we have is in Jesus. Even death, he has conquered. So if you raise your hand, you can go ahead and put your hand down now and just pray this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, I've been trying to do it on my own. I've been plagued by fear. I'm going through a dark valley, God, and I need your help. I want this peace. If you truly promise peace that passes all understanding, I want that. God, if you're saying I can have hope even in the darkest valley, I want that in my life. Jesus, I pray that if you are real, I'm choosing to put my faith in you. No longer in myself, no longer in my circumstances. I still have doubts, but I'm going to choose you. Yare, I'm going to look up and not just look down. And God, if, if you are real, if you are true, I pray that as I go throughout my week, I will feel a sense of peace. This isn't just a, a thought in my head. You are real. And I pray that I will experience peace starting Monday. I'll experience a sense of hope that I've never had before. God, you are a good shepherd and you never lead us to a place that you haven't been before. You are alive today and I'm going to trust in that. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. amen.